0: Not all of them. On a good day, He might be able to break a lot. That's not the God we serve. He is able. He is totally able. And He he can break every every chain. Not some chains, every chain. Everything that you are going through, that you feel like you're chained up to, He can break that. Totally. Oh, calm down here a little bit. I'm going to be holding a baby a little bit. We have a baby dedication, so if uh, Samantha and uh, Joseph will bring up Liam, we're going to pray for them. Now, I want you guys to understand if you're new to the church and baby dedications, this has nothing to do with salvation. We're just bringing him before the Lord to pray for him. Oh, he's asleep. Good. I held him earlier. I'm a professional now. I am a grandpa. Oh, look at him you know, the little babies, uh, Jesus said, bring them unto him. And uh, when Jesus was eight days old, they came and they dedicated him in the temple. And he's a little over eight days old. But be that as it may, we want to dedicate him to the Lord. But most importantly, we want to dedicate the parents that God would just pour his spirit upon them in the things that he wants to do in their lives as well. But we we want to just lift him up to the Lord right now. So join with me in prayer as we pray for little Liam. Father in heaven, as we hold this young child before you, Lord God, he is so dependent on his parents, Lord. He needs everything, Lord God. Lord, that's the way we're supposed to be with you. And Father, as this little boy begins to grow, Lord God, that your spirit would be upon him even right now. That you would just surround him with your angels, Lord God, and protect him. Lord God, I pray, God, that you would just cause him to turn to you, Lord, to be a man of God, Lord God, as he grows. I pray for his parents, Lord God, that you would teach them, encourage them. Lord, as as they are raising this young boy, Lord God, that they would be able, Lord God, to play their roles properly. That, Lord, they would be able, Lord God, to seek your face daily for wisdom for themselves and wisdom in raising this child. And so I pray, God, that you would pour out your Your spirit upon these two. Cause them to be parents, Lord God, who who love you and do your will. Lord, that in turn they will raise him up, Lord God. That they would be examples for him. And that, Lord, he would not stray, but that he would follow their parent's example, Lord. So watch over them. Watch over this family, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man, he did perfect. Kind of interesting how our church grows. Little Samantha there was one of them. I mean, she grew up in this church, a little girl. Now she's all grown up. Craziness. Uh, turn, if you will to the book of James this morning. I thought, would, I thought we would be finishing up the first chapter of James. I think I told you that last week. But we will not be doing that. It became apparent to me as I was studying yesterday for this morning and just kind of pouring into it. Um, your bulletin says that we were going to go to verse 27. Well, we're not going to get there at all became apparent as I, was te- as I was studying, going, wow, Lord, there's just so much here. And, I, and as I was thinking, putting my notes together, I'm thinking, well, I could just keep them here longer, or I could probably just cut it short, and they will be happy. <laughs> and I know you're probably thinking, you cut it short? I doubt that. Well, I'm going to try. But we'll see how it goes. So we're in James chapter 1. This whole chapter has been dealing with trials, and how we are to deal with them, and what they are to produce in us. Now I know some of you guys are like, oh man, you're going to drag it out even another week, probably talking about trials, what we're supposed to do, and you're probably thinking, you know, I'm tired of trials. It's like, well, I'm sorry, but trials are a part of life. And some of you guys are thinking, ever since you started talking about trials, I've been going through more trials. And it's like, well, good for you. Good for you. That means that God is ministering to you and dealing with you and allowing you to go through some of these trials to grow you up. I know that we often want to get out of trials. But God wants us to get something out of trials. He wants us always to learn something from the trials that we go through day in and day out. And again, I I, I just want to encourage you, you will go through trials for the rest of your life every day. That's an encouragement. Thank you. You're welcome. It is said that, that trials, trials is the production line of our faith. Because that is where it produces who we are. When we go through trials. That is what what makes us. In other words, in in our lives, these trials is what shapes us and molds us and builds us up. I know oftentimes we want to talk about the grace and the love of Jesus, which is great. I want to bask in those things. But those are like the cherry on top after we've gone through the trials. It is the trials that, that produces what we are and who we are in Christ, In other words, trials is what builds our character. (laughs) Some of you guys are going, I don't want no more character building. It's like, yes, you do. Receive it. Embrace it. Soak it in. Allow it to come into your life. Because it is there when we're being proven in our character that helps us in our conduct and how we behave and what we do. Without, Without our character being proven or tested... What we do, our conduct, merely becomes a religious duty. It's just what we do. There's there's no there's no like emotion attached to it because we just do this. This is what we do. It, it's an outward expression with real, r- no real depth associated with that. When 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 it's just merely external. When, when, when it just wants to be, we just want it to be external. We don't want it to really capture us. You know, you become religious. It, it, it's something that, that, is, that is external. all show, it, it, it is shallow, it's superficial. Nothing from the depths of your heart. Because that is where your character is built, right here in the depths of your heart. It's not outward. We would be going through motions with no emotion attached to it. It's just a religious duty. These are the things that that Jesus came out against with the Pharisees. When he was walking on the earth and these religious leaders, that that it was all external. Everything had to do with the outward part of, of, of religion. And yet, inwardly, Jesus said to them, You are full of dead man's bones. You are dead inside. Because there's nothing happening in there. What James is getting at in this chapter, If we let God test us, He will produce in us what is necessary for practical Christian living. He teaches us those things. God will, if you let Him. But we can't just hear or know what God says. We need to do what God says. It's a big difference. Turn over, if you will, or you can jot this down, John chapter 13. One of my all-time favorite portions of Scripture. John chapter 13, Jesus is with His disciples the night before He is betrayed, and He does something extraordinary with them and teaches them an example. And this is what it says in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 12. So when He had washed their feet, taken His garment, and sat down again, He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call Me teacher and Lord... If you know these things, he says, blessed are you if you do them. Man, it's all about doing. Not just knowing, not just hearing in that sense, but doing what you know you ought to be doing in your life. Growing, maturing in the Lord is what this book is all about. And growing and maturing, though, takes action. (laughs) It just doesn't happen by... By us sitting there and just just sitting and doing nothing, it takes action on our part. This is why it is my heart to teach through this book for you, to teach you through this book, to help you know, to help you understand the importance of growing and maturing in Christ, growing and maturing as a christian that 's my heart so you cannot. Just be there as an immature Christian, but begin to grow and apply these things and do these things that we are being instructed through the word here. But all I can do is is, is teach you the word. I, I can't live it for you. I can't live your life. I have a hard enough time living my own life in that sense. We we, we can't think that just because we've been walking with the Lord for a while that, okay, I think I have arrived at a certain level that I really don't need to mature anymore. I've been walking with the Lord for so long. No, don't think like that. There is always room for us to grow all the time. I have to continue to grow and mature in Christ myself. If I thought that I could just stop at a certain level, it wouldn't be good and healthy for me, nor would it be good or healthy for you as a church. If I decided, I think I've arrived, I think I don't need to go through anything else, I'm okay. It would be detrimental to this body. Because I can't give out what I don't have. And so I have to continue to go through the trials. I have to continue to want to mature and grow up so that as I go through it, I can share it with you as well. But I also can't say, well, do as I say if I am not doing what I say. I, I, I We can't just hear the word and not do the word. It is important for us to do what the Word of God says. If we want to mature, if we want to grow in the Lord, we have to do what the Lord says in His Word. He has given us all the tools. He has instructed us in His Word what we must do to grow and to mature in Him. James chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1 again. James, a bondservant of God, And of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom. Let him ask of God. Who will give to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. But let let not that man think or suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as the flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuit. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him Let no one say when he is tempted I am tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone But let each but each of but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed then when desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully full grown brings forth death do not be deceived my beloved brethren every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning of which his own of which of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his cre- creatures so then my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of god therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Going back to verse 19 as we'll cover 19, 20 and 21 this morning. As he begins to say, so then, he says, so then my beloved brethren, so then... These people who, who are precious, precious to Him. Because you need to take note of that. That, that He calls them beloved brethren twice in, in, in just a few verses here. He, he is reminding them of his, his love for them. Because He's not preaching at them. He's identifying with them as I have shared with you time and again. James is wanting them to understand that he has such a love for them because of the trials that they're dealing with. He has this compassion and he calls them uh, beloved brethren. Again, an affectionate term, a term of endearment, reassuring them that he loves them. And so he says to them So then, so then, my beloved brethren, and, and, and that word, so then, it, it, it means: take note of this, know this, understand this, that I am about to tell you. In, in keeping with the topics of the topic of trials and what they produce in the believer, which is patience, understand this, he says. Take heed to this, know this, and you will do well. You will do well if you do what the, the, the Word of God is telling you. It will go well with you. You know that you are growing in patience when you are able to take a step back and you respond to an issue instead of overreacting to that same issue. Some of you guys have, have witnessed this in your life if you've just come to the Lord, and even those who have been around for a long time. After you come to the Lord, it seems like as He's beginning to do this work in you, that an that, that issue pops up that, that happened before you were a Christian, and you're going, I would never have responded in this way before. It is totally not me, it's God in me. Because before, I would have responded like this. And oftentimes, even as you're walking with the Lord for a long time, and an issue comes up, you're going, Man, 20 years ago, it would have come out different. I would have responded in a different way. But praise God. Praise God that He's in my life, and He's teaching me patience. Because I should, or could, be blowing it, but I'm not. And it's interesting, because all of a sudden, things begin to change. And James says, as he's encouraging them, be swift or be quick to listen and slow to speak. We have one mouth and two ears and we should use them in proportion. I've I've heard that all through my my Christian life. That you have one mouth and two ears so maybe you should use them appropriately here. Not that I've always done it. But that is what he is saying here. We should be speaking less and hearing more, listening more. That should be what our desire should be. Proverbs 10, 19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who retains his lips is wise. The more you talk, the more you, you, you need to understand, there will be stuff coming out of your mouth that is like, Oh, you know, I, I, I think about that. and I'm thinking, man, I talk for a living. <laughs> I talk all the time and sin is not lacking. <laughs> there has to be a lot of repentance going on. But at the same time, I need to be a good listener because the next proverb that I'm going to share with you in 1727, it says, he who has knowledge spares his words and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. When we begin to, to be swift to, to listen and slow to speak, when we begin to understand those kinds of things, we begin to understand matters a little bit more. We become more of a calm spirit. We don't overreact because we are listening more than we are speaking. If we are letting patience have its perfect work in us, then we will be listening more more than we, we are speaking. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone that um, that it just seems that you know they're not listening to you because they're just like waiting with bated breath, waiting for you to take a breath because they want to chime in, they want to butt in. And And in the middle of that, as you're talking and you're going, man, I don't want to take a breath because they're going to take over the conversation and I'm done. <laughs> you're almost like, Have some patience. I'll let you speak later on. But it just seems like these people are just like, like you, 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 me, 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 me. And they jump in, you know, it's like, oh, there goes that conversation. You you, kind of think like, man, there's no patience with them. They can't wait to finish, for somebody to finish off the sentence. They're finishing off for you. They're they're, they're talking over you. (laughs) You're going, man, dude, chill out. Patience, my man. They're not patient enough to even let you finish. The sign of one who is patient is one who is ready to listen. A ready listener. One who listens pays attention. And have you ever noticed that when you pay attention... You understand the situation a whole lot better than just jumping in. And they're like, whatever. All of a sudden you're giving your your spiel, you're you're, you're giving your wisdom, and they're going, wrong. If you just listened until I finished, maybe you would have understood. If you pay attention, you will respond differently and you probably won't be reacting or overreacting sooner than you should on the same situation. When one pays attention and really puts things in perspective as he's paying attention, taking it all in, more often than not, you will keep your cool a lot more. You will not be flying off the handle the way you normally do. When you take the time to listen, when you have the time to, or take the time to be slow to speak, and, or be quick to, to where is that scripture? <laughs> Swift to hear and slow to speak. All of a sudden, things are different in your life. You're, you're, you're calmer. Because when, when, when you fly off the handle, oftentimes you become well quick for wrath. (laughs) You're not slow to wrath. You're quick to wrath. When you pay attention to the situation of of what's going on, you're you're, you're more slower to take offense because of what's being said. You're processing it differently. You, You don't get angry like you normally did. Proverbs 16:20 or 32 says, "He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city." Man, it's amazing to think that that you because you have patience, because you're slow to wrath, that you are better than the mighty that is able to take cities. You're you you're, you're able to process things better because you rule. You're able to rule your spirit than he who takes over a, t- a city. Anger is is anger is one of those things that shows that that you're not patient. <laughs> I know some of you guys are probably getting angry right now. <laughs> Have patience. It's like oh no you didn't. It's like. Let me finish. (laughs) Anger also shows us that we are unstable and immature. When we're getting angry on a regular basis, man, it just shows immaturity. Patience, patience is not having its perfect work when you're angry. What, 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 what's being perfected is your anger instead of patience. <laughs> you, you you mastered angry, being angry because you, you do it all the time. You're not letting patience have its perfect work. The testing of our faith produces patience. But the testing of our faith is also what gets us angry. <laughs> it's like, oh... Why again? Why am I going through this once again? You know, and it's like instead of going, Okay, Lord, whew, let me take a step back here. What are you trying to teach me through this, Lord? Because this keeps on coming up. And and I could guarantee you that God is trying to do a work in you, and if you keep on failing, He will continue to bring things into your life until you begin to pass these tests. <laughs> so you have a choice. To let patience have its perfect work or let anger have its perfect work. And how has that anger worked in your life? For the good? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> when our faith is tested, we can go one or two ways here when we are being tested in our faith. We can com- become better or bitter. Because it just seems that we can never get past these trials. We can become stable or unstable. Being so wishy-washy because of the whole matter. Or we can become mature or stay immature. What will you let? What will you let the testing of your faith produce? Because he throws it into our court. He, he says, here, this is on your part. I've given you all the instructions. I've given you everything. We're, 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 you're learning about, about faith. What will you let it produce in your life, this testing? Because it's up to us what we're going to allow to happen in our life. <clears throat> Look at the contrast of this production, of what it produces from verses two or 3 and 4 and verse 20. It says, But let patience have its perfect work. Oh no, sorry, verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The contrast would be verse 20, where it says... For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What a contrast. It, it puts the ball in our court and says, what do you want for, for your life to be producing? When you're being tested, are you allowing patience to be built up in your life? Are you being angry all the time and wrath is, is spewing out of your mouth continually? Because if, again, going to, to verse 20, he says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I think what an amazing statement. This is one of those statements that man we should focus on, laser beam on it, and, and look at it and see it for what it's worth. For the wrath of man does not produce the the, the righteousness of God. This statement does not give us any kind of wiggle room as to try to to understand it. <laughs> what does that really mean? It's, it's so simple. It's straightforward. The righteousness or the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There is no wiggle room there. There's no other way to spin that verse. The statement cannot ever make man look good in his being wrathful towards other people, in his being angry. It it, it doesn't it, it doesn't make man look good ever. When man is is spewing out venom when, when, when he is just killing people with the poisonous of his mouth as it comes out. It's like you can never say, oh, there's righteousness working in me. It's like, no, it's not. There is no way that righteousness is working in your heart when there is anger spewing out of your mouth, ever. These words does not, in that verse looking at them up or looking it up in the Strong's Concordance, it means absolutely never. It is an absolute negative. So your anger, your wrath will never, ever, ever produce the righteousness of God. Not when you're angry like that. Not when you're living that way on a constant basis. You will never be built up in the righteousness of God. The word wrath means angry, indignation, and vengeance. And it carries with it the words rage, fury, and anger. To the point of retribution, reprisal, and retaliation. None of those things will gain the righteousness of God in your life. The product of wrath will always, the product of of wrath will always be the opposite of the righteousness of God. Always. It will never promote the wishes and requirements of God's righteousness ever. Wrath never does that. It never promotes the, the righteousness of God. It's quite the opposite. What the wrath of man does produce is a root of bitterness. That's what that produces. Which does not cause growth or maturity. The root of bitterness will never cause maturity in someone's life. If you're hanging on to that, you will never grow. It it, it will never work the the, the wrath of God or or the wrath of man the the root of bitterness it will never work in the way God intended it for your life to mature you will never mature it it, it works to undermine what God wants to do it it works to undermine the the, the good growth that God wants in your life it it, it will always work counterculture or counterproductive it will always be counterproductive it. Because it will choke out the righteousness of God. If we allow the root of bitterness to stir within us, it will choke out and strangle what God wants to do in our lives all the time. James has used the word produce in a positive way and in a negative way in this chapter. There's production that happens in our lives and if we are not producing the the righteousness of God, then we are producing the the wrath of man in our lives. If we're not letting patience have its perfect work, then we're allowing anger to have its perfect work in us. So there's always something being produced. And so in verse 21, James uses a garden of some kind as a picture of our hearts that needs to be tended to and it's left up to us to deal with it once again james is giving us practical things to to grab onto so that we can do what we're supposed to do he has given us the instructions in his word God has given us the instructions of His Word. He He puts the ball in our court. I like the way the Amplified says, or or does, verse twenty-one. It says, "Therefore." Well, it says in the regular one, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness. This is the regular one. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The Amplified says it this way. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, Receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in our hearts contains the power to save our souls. Whoa. If we take time to listen or hear more than speak, (laughs) we will be able to respond instead of overreacting. The situations that can bring about, or that could bring about, anger. And if we take time to listen to the word and to to what's being shared, then it will produce in us. It will produce in us the righteousness of God. We can't produce that, but we have things to do on our part. He wants to do a work in us. He has given us everything that is necessary, and yet he throws the ball in our court, and he says, here, this is what you need to do. The, the, the work for us comes when we have to consciously, deliberately, and intentionally work to get rid of those things that are immoral in our lives, the filthiness in our life. We have to basically work at those things because they constantly come up in our lives and we have to work at walking away from those things. We have to work at intentionally laying aside the things that want to choke out the things of God. We have to work at that because every day of your life, something will pop up every day. Every day there will be something that tries to choke out the righteousness of God in your life. Every day of your life, there will be the testing of your faith. Those things that want to choke out the Word of God. They are like weeds. He gives us a picture of weeds here. That, that, that can overtake a garden if they are not dealt with. I, I know up here, man, we, we, we can have a clear picture of that. Because most of us have to deal and contend with weeds. You know, we, we want to keep a, 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 a lid on, on the weeds, but we have to be out there constantly because if we don't, it just overtakes our yard. <laughs> it just does. It, it's amazing how those things happen because it's like one day it's like, yeah, it looks good. Next day it's like, where'd they all come from? And isn't that true that happens in our lives? We think that we're doing okay and we're like, oh yeah, it's no big deal. And all of a sudden there's stuff choking out. Choking out the righteousness of God. It happens that quick. They grow, weeds grow that quick. And we need to be on our guard because if we don't keep a lid on it, if we don't keep them in check, they will overgrow in our lives. And that's what he's trying to share here in verse 21. That we are to work at laying aside. We are to work at constantly so that these weeds don't overtake. That there's not this rampant overgrowth in our hearts. Because the word of God has been implanted there. And he's given us the tools to keep those weeds down. It's almost as if James borrows Jesus' parable of the sower here. Where Jesus compares the word of God to, to seed and the heart of man is soil. And in that parable, there are four different types of hearts that are represented there. The hard heart, who never opens up. The shallow heart, where there is no real depth in there. The crowded heart, that lets everything else surround it, and there's no growth, because it just chokes it out. And then the fruitful heart. And in that parable, the fruitful heart is the only one that has salvation there. All the other ones, they weren't really saved. This is the heart that James is dealing with. And he is warning the readers that they they were to get rid of, lay aside, and remove all moral filth from their life. And not allow wickedness to run rampant and unchecked. And, and I know that it's hard because it, 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 you're going, but I've tried, but it just doesn't happen. It's like, no, he has given us the instructions said, it is up to you to turn away from that. <laughs> I know, but I try and it's like, you just can't sit there and say, okay, Lord, help me not to watch this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, get up, leave, do whatever you have to do. But it's like, but it's so hard. Well, duh, I know it's hard. It has to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. But He is telling us, you have the, the, the opportunity to walk away from that. You have the opportunity, because He's given us His Word, because His Word is implanted in us, He has given us the opportunity to get rid of these things. He has. And I know that you're going, yeah, but it's so hard. It's like, I know, I know. It's hard for all of us. It's just as hard for me as it is for you. It's not easier for me, but I'll tell you, it becomes easier when you stay in your word because even as you're walking with the Lord, if you're trying to stand strong with the Lord, those things will creep up constantly and you have to battle them every day. Every moment of the day, it's like you're weeding. (laughs) Because if you don't, it will overflow or have this overgrowth. The fruitful heart has been implanted with the Word of God. And if it's implanted with the Word of God, it wants to be productive in our lives. The Word of God wants to produce in us. Because it has been placed there because He has cultivated your heart and put it in there. And he wants it to grow. He wants it to produce. He wants it. He wants to let patience have its perfect work in it. Allowing growth and maturity in the believer. At the same time, the fruitful heart is working constantly not to allow the filth and the wickedness. Because it will always want to overtake your heart. Wickedness, filthiness, all those things wants to overtake your heart continually. It's a battle every day. We are to receive the implanted word with meekness, humility, and mildness. And all of these are opposite to wrath. We're to receive the word with meekness, with all meekness. If a root of bitterness causes an outgrowth of wickedness, then the implanted word will produce an ingrowth of righteousness. It it happens that way. If you have the root of bitterness, well, there will be wickedness in your life. If if the word of God is implanted in here, and you're you're dealing with the, the wickedness out there, then it will produce righteousness in your life. In, our, in your heart. The, the simple message from James this morning is, if you are swift or quick to hear and slow to speak, the guarantee is that you will grow in patience. It just works that way. Because it will not allow your anger to take over. In, in other words, it will keep it in check. If you are slow to hear, or swift to hear, and slow to speak. You will be able to put your your anger in check more often than not. Because you're processing things differently. You're listening more than you're speaking. The, The implanted word will grow you up if you take heed to it. Because it will speak. The implanted word will speak. But if you're speaking at the same time, you will never hear it. You've got to slow down. You've got to let it speak back to you. You've got to listen to the word. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. Even when you're reading the word even when you're meditating on the word and what it says, if, if you can be swift to hear and slow to speak, because if it is able to save your souls, like it says, then it will most certainly cause you to be slow to wrath. If it has that much power to save you from hell, then it has that much power to to where you can be slow to wrath in your life. God can deal with your anger. You're thinking, no, I've tried. It's like, no, slow down. Let it penetrate your heart. Listen more than what you're speaking. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you because many of you have been angry for years. (laughs) And you haven't grown not one bit because that anger has been choking out the Word of God surrender that this morning man because if you're living in anger then you have a root of bitterness and it will never you will never grow and so as we stand let's stand as we close in prayer i want to encourage you guys to allow the lord to minister to your heart with these three <coughs> verses and if you have to read these three verses throughout the week all week let it penetrate that that heart that fertile ground, and let it grow you up because He's given you everything you need right here in His Word. It's, it's not hard. It's not complicated. We just have to do it. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father in Heaven, as we thank You and praise You, Lord God, once again, for Your faithfulness. Lord, we know that You are able, Lord God, to break every chain. We sing it, Lord. You are so able to do that. Lord, I pray that those chains or that chain of, of bitterness and anger that has been in my brothers' and sisters' hearts, Lord, those who are battling that right now, I pray that right now, Lord God, they would believe it, that you are able to break that chain of, of, of wickedness, Lord, because your word is true. Lord, I, I, I want to pray that, God, you would teach them how to do this. The Lord, you've already taught us through your word how to do this. And so I pray that my brothers and sisters would be able to do the word of God, not just hear it, but to do it. Show them, Lord God, that they have that strength because of the Holy Spirit in them. Grow them up, Lord, right now. Challenge them, Lord God. Those who need to repent, that they would repent. Lord, that if there's any here who doesn't know you, Lord God, that this morning, Lord God, they would surrender as well because they've been living a life of anger. And so, Lord, deal with them as well and bring them to salvation, Lord, because your word is able to save their souls. Humble them, I ask, God, that they would receive your word with all humility. Go with my brothers and sisters now, Lord. Strengthen them as they face their trials, as they leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Hang in there.